Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Is Mario Cristobal set to bring the Hurricanes back to prominence? It's it's been Miami for a while, right? I mean, since the school was started, to my understanding. But is it back to being the U? Mario Cristobal, the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, about to join the show here in just a few short minutes. It's spring football, all right? It, it's on and popping already. Some scrimmages went down. Do we have a leader in the Ohio State quarterback battle? Is there a leader in the clubhouse in Columbus? I think we might have a a temperature, if you will. No, no absolutes just yet, but a temperature for where that quarterback battle is headed. Also got intel for you from Texas, from Auburn. We have a loaded show for you. We're so glad to have you a part of this. Welcome into the Hard Count, the People's Show. College football every single day. We're live twice a week right here on the On3 YouTube channel. Shout out to the podcast as always. Is Penn State a dark horse when it comes to the college football playoff? I believe FanDuel has them at like plus 2,000 odds, but I think there's more than what meets the eye with the Nittany Lions. We're going to break that one down in its entirety. Also, we gave you a list, I want to say right around a month ago, in terms of freshmen that are already on campus that you should know when it comes to the fall. I got some more freshmen we got to talk about from premier programs that are going to make an impact come the fall. Then at the end of this thing, you know how we do it. You can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Jody Pakel. Put a question out. It's spring football time, and with spring football, with the new season, comes new concerns. So we opened it up for some college football therapy. What are you concerned about going into spring for your team? Got some really good answers to that question. So we're going to break down some of those answers and uh, hopefully alleviate some of those concerns. And if we're bringing bad news, we'll handle it together. All right. We waste no more time. Spring Intel 
Like I said, spring football is on and popping across the country. A couple of major programs had some intense, if you will, spring practices, some scrimmages that went down. I want to break these down. We got scrimmages from Texas, Ohio State, Auburn, and just kind of break down the latest that we've heard across the country at those different schools. We'll start with Texas. Savian Red is a name we've heard a lot over on the Texas on three side inside Texas. Bobby Burton, Justin Wells, Joe Cook, they do a phenomenal job covering that program. And Savion Red is a guy that keeps on getting mentioned in terms of someone that's turning heads. Now, he was a wide receiver a season ago. He has since uh, transitioned to the running back position. You look at him, it makes sense. He's right around 5'11", 6 foot, big body, 215 or so pounds. He just continues to draw praise every single practice for the way that he hits the hole hard, the way that he's going to be a guy for them this coming season out of the backfield with his receiver background. And this is important because if you know anything about Steve Sarkeesian's offense, he runs that run-pass option, right? The run-pass option is only possible if you can do the first part of that equation. You don't get the pass option if you can't run the football. So having a guy that's going to step in, Bijan Robinson's gone, Roshan Johnson's gone. They're going to be a running back by committee kind of operation, I would imagine, this coming season. But Savion Red, to have good feedback to this point in the year, to this point in spring practice, I think is a good sign for the folks on the 40 acres. Now, another guy that made noise during the scrimmage, Tavondre Sweat, big defensive lineman, just continues to impress he made a play in the scrimmage where he actually intercepted a screen pass and took it back, got the whole place fired up, according to the good people at Inside Texas. This is important because for Texas, you know that they are continuing to try to make strides to just be an overall tougher football team. And Steve Sarkeesian said as much. He said, we feel a lot more confident in our ability to now stop the run, having dudes like Tavondre Sweat come back to the 40 acres and contribute to that approach and, and that mindset, that mentality. Tough teams play meaningful football games late in the year. I've said that at nauseum on this show. Those of y'all that watch the show, you know that's one of my things. You gotta be tough in the trenches to play meaningful games late in the year. Now, having guys like Devondre Sweat equips you to play tough in the trenches, if you catch my drift. Now, another thing that we've heard outside of, uh, or coming out of camp more or less, A.D. Mitchell, receiver transferred from Georgia is now running with the ones. Now, this is significant because previously he had been running with the twos. You say, A.D. Mitchell, wasn't that that guy that caught the game winner against Ohio State to send Georgia to the natty? Didn't he have that one-hander in the national title game against TCU just made that DB look like a little boy? Yes, that's the exact same guy. But up until this point, the people in Austin had said, A.D. Mitchell, a lot of talent, just physically looks different than the other receivers but he's had trouble holding on to the football in regards to a couple of drops. Uncharacteristic for Eddie Mitchell, to my understanding, but it sounds like that's behind him now. Again, running with the ones, running over Casey Kane. Now, the reason why I think this is important, think about all the weapons that Texas has offensively now. If A.D. Mitchell is up to par and up to what you would expect him to be from what he was at Georgia. Then you got Eddie Mitchell, got Xavier Worthy, got Jatavian Sanders, just more and more options in the pass game is going to make you dangerous. Pretty straightforward, right? The more guys that can get open for you, the less the defense can do to try and double-team guys because Xavier Worthy is going to draw a double-team. I'm just telling you that right now. And if it's not Xavier Worthy, maybe it's Chetavian Sanders drawing a double-team. Big body, like you can't double-team all these guys. Somebody is going to get open. I haven't even talked about Isaiah Naor, transferred from Wyoming a season ago. 
guy that's about to absolutely pop off on the 40 acres. So, so far, so good for Texas. Again, only a few practices in, but this scrimmage was at the end of practice, so it wasn't like a full-on scrimmage day. A lot of encouraging things. The biggest thing I want, I want to hone in on for Texas is the sentiment in terms of how they're practicing is encouraging, very detail-oriented. Now, if you're detail-oriented, to me, that just shows the sign of a healthy culture. It shows that there's pride in the way that you do things, shows there's accountability to each other. Worrying about the details, it's cliche, but it adds up. I mean, listen to any championship-level coach or championship-level player talk about the way they do things. They're not worried about results. They're not worried about the end game. They're worried about the details and how they do things. The results will come. The results will eventually get here. But for Texas, what do we talk about consistently with them over the years? Well, the culture is sour. Culture is trying to still get back to a place where they can be competitive. The focus on the details, if that is true, and it sounds like it is, that's encouraging for the good folks over there in Austin, Texas. So that's kind of the latest in terms of what we've heard from Texas in terms of their spring intel. Ohio State, they got their scrimmage on. Kyle McCord and Devin Brown are obviously the two leaders in the clubhouse for that QB1 job. The way that it goes, or the way that we were told it went at Letterman Row, the Ohio State on three side, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord both sort of started slow. They didn't have a bad day by any stretch of the imagination, but just kind of took a little bit to get going. Said by the second half of that scrimmage, Kyle McCord was balling. Had a deep touchdown pass to Jaden Ballard. Had what would have been a touchdown run. They called him down at the one so they could practice some of their goal line sets. Kyle McCord going into spring, a lot of people would have told you around that program that he was the leader, at least, in the clubhouse based on his experience and what he's brought to the table over the course of a couple years there and his leadership. The fact that he had a good scrimmage and sort of put some of that to his resume. Like, your tape is your resume. That's the way it is in college football. Men lie, women lie, tape don't lie. You can have a reputation. You can have respect. That's all important. But until you do it between the white lines in a competitive setting, a scrimmage doesn't mean a whole lot. So for him to actually put something on tape this spring camp in a competitive setting just continues to bode well for the Kyle McCord for QB1 campaign. Now, Devin Brown, make it very, very clear. Devin Brown is absolutely going to still challenge for this job. This is not a done deal. The way that it feels, it's still Kyle McCord's job to lose. He's still the leader in the clubhouse. But Devin Brown, with as talented as he is, he is going to be a problem the rest of this spring. He is not going to go quietly into that good night. Make it very, very clear. Make sure you're subscribed to the On3 YouTube channel. Okay, the hard count, we're live right now. We appreciate y'all rocking with us. Make sure you got it locked in. Also, follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter, at J.D. Piquel. Some other guys that impressed. A lot of the young weapons, man, they're looking pretty good. Jelani Thurman, in particular, a four-star tight end. He's a freshman. He's six foot six, 253 pounds. The buzz out of Columbus is they haven't seen someone like him at the tight end position in a minute down there. Like, catch radius is just stupid. Uh, had a touchdown catch that I guess would have essentially been like a screen pass. They called him down at the one, again, just so they could run a goal line play. But he would have scored in a competitive setting if it were an 11-on-11 you know, game-like scenario. They're excited about him. They're excited about him. And again, this is just another guy that you would have to deal with with Ohio State's offense. Think about all the weapons they're going to have. Marvin Harrison Jr., Megan Buka, uh, Julian Fleming should be a guy for you this year. If you add another big body, 
and a Jelani Thurman, even though he was only a freshman and, and Kate Stover still tied in one, you would imagine, if you add a guy like Jelani Thurman to be another problem for the defense, it's, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long, long fall for everybody else in the Big Ten. It's going to be nice for whoever ends up being starting quarterback too. So having a big target like Jelani Thurman, having him progress quickly, it sounds like, during spring camp, it's a good sign for the folks in Columbus. Now, the other thing that is probably the most encouraging in terms of intel for Ohio State fans, the improvement in the secondary. Now, it's not perfect. There were still some busted coverages. There was still a long touchdown pass, like I just said, that was completed against the defense. But they're encouraged with the frequency that they're getting pass breaks up. Excuse me, pass breakups. Like Denzel Burke was an absolute stud his freshman year was a little bit more of a rocky sophomore campaign. They're saying during spring football, he's getting his hand on as many passes as he had during his freshman season. Like, they're really impressed with how he's progressed. Uh, a, a lot of just good things in terms of the secondary and the way that they are trending right now during the spring. And keep in mind, they have their hands full every single practice with that receiving core. Even if, even if Emeka Egbuka is a little bit dinged up right now. Even if Julian Fleming is dinged up right now, you still got to go toe-to-toe with some of the best recruits in the country and a Carnell Tate and Marvin Harrison Jr. getting a couple reps in here and there. Like, you have your work cut out for you. So if iron sharpens iron, the secondary for Ohio State by the end of spring camp should be pretty sharp, but encouraged with how they're competing so far. Let's shift gears to the Auburn Tigers. A lot of really good notes from the good folks at Auburn Live. Justin Hokinson covering that better than anybody else in the industry. They've got some scrimmages underway. They've had two now. I'm going to talk about the quarterback room in just a second. But the transfers they brought in are making a whole lot of noise. Justin Rogers, transfer, I believe, is from Kentucky. Hugh Freeze is fired up about him. They are raving about him over at Auburn. Hugh Freeze went so far to say in a press conference that he believes he's going to demand a double team, which in the SEC, same thing I was saying about Devondre Sweat at Texas, same thing is true at Auburn. You need to be able to play in the trenches. And last year, just quite frankly, it was not good enough. They were not tough enough in that category. Justin Rogers is going to kind of help bolster their efforts there and turn that ship around. Now, on the other side of the line of scrimmage, they brought in not one, not two, but three offensive linemen. I'm hearing they're all going to start. Three new cats on the offensive line just totally revamped that whole unit in terms of talent. So if you can run the football and you can protect the quarterback, that's going to obviously give you at least a good jumping off point. Because in the SEC, you look across the line of scrimmage, you got some dogs across from you. All right, you, you got to block a Harold Perkins week in and week out. You got to block a Dallas Turner week in and week out. So to be able to have just a better threshold to start with from a talent perspective on the offensive line and to have positive ROI so far, it's really good. Okay, so... I'm not saying the offensive line is going to be all class, all, all world, but I am saying it's better than it was a season ago, which is progress. In year one or to Hugh Freeze, that's progress. Now, Rivaldo Fairweather is a tight end transfer from FIU, and they are saying he has professional potential. It's about six foot four, 250 pounds. They're saying he's just running by everybody, which whoever plays quarterback, what has been a theme throughout the Last couple of years at Auburn. Who's going to be the playmaker on the outside? Who's, who's catching the football here? Camden Brown is a guy that fits the mold in terms of what you would want a wide receiver to look like. I mean, big physical, six foot two, six foot three, can run. But Rivaldo Fairweather at tight end is going to be an option for them. Okay, so keep an eye on how he progresses in this new scheme. But they're very excited about him so far through spring camp. Also worth noting, like I said, Camden Brown, they're excited about him. Caught a touchdown pass in the scrimmage. 
Now, moving to the running back room, it's no secret, man. Jerquez Hunter is going to be the guy, right? Like, he's your workhorse running back. But in the SEC, it's difficult to have one running back go wire to wire and be completely healthy. Now, of course, we hope Jarquez Hunter is able to stay healthy, but having some depth in that room is going to be very important. And they're very encouraged about Damari Alston. I mean, I was talking to Justin Hokinson, and he's, he told me, he's like, I believe that Damari Alston can do everything that you're asking Jarquez Hunter to do offensively. So if you have Jarquez Hunter needs to get a breath after he's broke off a long run, you don't need to change your offensive scheme and say, ah, oh, Damari Alston's in the game. We can't call that, coach. Hey, coach, we got to change the, the, the approach here offensively. You can stay the same offensively, regardless of which running back is in there. Again, Jarquez, runner, Jarquez Hunter is your runner, is your workhorse. He's going to be a guy. But Damari Alston, they don't feel like there's a tremendous drop-off with what they can do offensively when he comes into the game. Sturdy lower body, runs hard, gets downhill. It's a good thing. you got to be physical in the SEC, in the trenches, yes, but also at the running back position, in pass pro, getting downhill, running power, running inside zone. You need to be able to do that in the SEC, to have a physical edge about you, okay? And that's what Auburn is continuing to try and progress to do. Again, make sure you're subscribed to the On3 YouTube channel. Make sure you're following me on Twitter. Make sure you're following me on Instagram. Okay, so here's what everybody wants to know about. What's going on in the quarterback room, right? What's the temperature of the quarterback room? To be real, y'all, it's still too soon to tell. Okay, a couple of scrimmages under the belt. We still don't have a tremendous feel on this. For those that are just now tuning in, Holden Garner, TJ Finley, Robbie Ashford. The three dudes that are probably competing for that QB1 spot. Robbie Ashford was dinged up last year, looked really good at times, really good athlete, also looked really lackluster at times. I believe he was like seven touchdowns to seven interceptions. I think he also had someone somewhere around seven touchdowns rushing. So a whole lot of sevens for Robbie Ashford. There's still very much so a ways to go, is what it sounds like. Hugh Freeze at the press conference said, I wish we were further along at the quarterback position. Listen, I'm going to translate that coach speak for you. That just means we're not where we need to be yet. Now, the good news is it's spring football. You're not going to be where you need to be to play game one. You don't have to play your schedule just yet. You know, we're not in the fall yet. What's going on right now to, to try and get a gauge for that quarterback room is you're still trying to install your offense. And so you're trying to, one, teach your entire unit what to do, while at the same time trying to figure out from a personnel standpoint what you can do. So it's kind of a, a two-sided coin there. And they're, they're progressing slowly. Again, the receiver position is still a little bit of a question mark. Camden Brown's a guy they're excited about. They brought in some transfers, but there's not a whole lot of proven commodities in that room. So that paired with some question marks at the quarterback position is just a little bit fuzzy right now. It's probably the best way I could say it. It's a little bit fuzzy right now when it comes to Auburn football. Now, you know I wholeheartedly believe they will go into the portal and try and get somebody to, at worst, at depth, at best, compete for that QB1 spot. And the way that it's sounding, again, this is just my own feel on it. The way that it's sounding, according to Hugh Freeze, saying, I wish we were further along, and you're about halfway through spring football, that makes me feel more and more like they don't yet have their answer for QB1. Now, it might be in the room, but it also doesn't sound like they're against going in the, the portal and getting somebody to compete for that QB1 spot, is the temperature. So again, Texas, Ohio State, Auburn, spring ball's on and popping. We're going to have more intel for you on Thursday's show. But that's the latest out of those respective programs. 
Okay, so spring football. I'm telling you, man, spring football. We love March Madness on this show. We do. We love spring football just a little bit more, though. All right? I'm just going to keep it a buck with you all. If you're watching this show, you're a junkie like us, so you probably fall somewhere close to what we just communicated to you. Now, we had Mario Cristobal, the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, on this show. We're about to play the interview for you, but we talked about bringing the U back to prominence, how they were able to be so hot on the recruiting trail. We talked about NIL with Coach Cristobal because that's a hot topic around Miami. Any major market school that's going to be a hot topic with what can you do in the NIL sp- in the N- in the NIL sphere. Without further ado, here's Coach Mario Cristobal, and we are now joined by the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, Coach Mario Cristobal. Coach, you were telling us before, it's like 70s right now in Coral Gables, or you said 70s is freezing, actually, in Coral Gables. Is that right? Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're, we're climbing to the 80s now. So those Chamber of Commerce days are over. We're getting back into, you know, South Florida football weather. Glad to hear it. Sounds like that's probably ideal weather to be practicing in. First question, what have been some of your takeaways a few practices in the spring ball? Well, I think the first thing is, you know, with 23 newcomers and then uh, just – enhancing our and elevating our cultural standards what you see is elevated play in the trenches that's number one i think the schematic changes that we've made with the coordinator hires uh, that's allowed us to to maximize our talent better it's a much better fit the quarterback play is certainly elevated the play at wide receiver both inside and outside both because of scheme and because of some additions is really elevated as well and then um you know lance Skittery defensively brings a, a scheme that has been you know a top five scheme um, defensively in the country for a couple of years now. So we're, we just feel like there's, we fit better schematically now and we're just working, just keeping our mouths shut, going to work, but certainly hard work in the weight room and the off season and talent acquisition is starting to look, it's starting to look in a lot of places, what it needs to look like at Miami. Yeah, Coach, you mentioned cultural adjustments and setting standards. What are some of those for you internally at Miami? Well, it's as simple as guys that like to work. You know, I mean, putting myself and our staff in a in an environment where maybe that hasn't been the standard for a while. It's like mixing oil and water. That's not going to work. You know, I mean, this game is about working hard and being able to fight through adversity and also being a great teammate, being a great colleague. And I think what you're seeing now is that there's a, a tremendous amount of, of unity because of time invested and because of hard work, you know, sweat equity. So. All that stuff is paying off, and of course, it's got to pay off on game day. But you see the progress in terms of the volunteer stuff, you know, both in the community and from a workout standpoint. You see it in terms of the way that people are learning the scheme a lot quicker due to older guys teaching the younger guys. And you see a lot of the younger guys not being timid, right? These are high-level, highly blessed athletic guys that can flat-out play. So that's a great combination when the competitive you know, nature of the team is high because guys want to get better. So we're progressing to we don't know where we need to be. Please don't get me wrong, but we're certainly progressing. And coach, you went out and hired Shannon Dawson to be your offensive coordinator. What made him the right fit for y'all with what you want to do offensively at Miami? Yeah, Shannon's a stud. I mean, he uh, was able to blend the principles of the air raid in the passing game and has really done a great job pounding the football. Well, he was at West Virginia or his most recent time over at Houston. Um, he's an elite human being and he's an elite teacher. And what he does really fits what we are looking for. We want to be an explosive offense and we want to be a physical offense. And in South Florida, if you have an exciting and explosive offense, 
you're going to attract the best players from South Florida to play in this particular offense. So, and kind of like Lance Gittery, you know, top five and top 10 in several categories and uh, not by accident. He's done it over, you know, a period of years. And again, it starts with being an elite human being and he's a great connector. So the guys have really enjoyed being around him. And something you were talking about before we started recording, you're like, hey, it starts in the trenches. Like, you, you got to have the, the big human beings moving the other big human, uh, human beings against their will. What's the progress been like that so far during winter conditioning in the spring? Oh, without a doubt, you see it. I mean, it's, uh, it's an area on both sides of the ball where we're climbing towards what we want to be. You know, the guys that were really heralded with a, the young offensive lineman that came in, and, and there's three of them that are here right now, Antonio Tripp and Samson and, and Francis, and uh, still got a couple guys coming, but they also joined Matt Lee, who came over from UCF, and Javion Cohen, who came over from the University of Alabama, joining Jalen Rivers and Nez Cooper, uh, the rest of these guys, a lot of young guys that are playing really well also, um, but you've got just a, a tremendous difference in terms of your vertical you know, size and your width, your girth, your power your recoverability. Uh, there's a lot of experience up front there as well that helps those new guys, but they are explosive and gargantuan human beings that they love to work. They love to get pushed. They don't mind getting challenged. They fight through, you know, the nicks and the bumps that come with football. So it's a, it's a really, really good fit for what we've been used to over the years. And speaking of gargantuan human beings, Jason Taylor, elevated to defensive ends coach, what went into that decision for you? <laughs> oh, that's an easy decision. You know, I mean, he's uh, he's another guy. Imagine that a guy that's earned a gold jacket as an NFL Hall of Famer who really has nothing to prove, but shows up every single day as if he has everything to prove. He is an, and again, another guy who as a human being and as a teacher is as good as it gets. And his energy, I mean, it's it's like he's when he was a player, he brings that same energy every single day. And hopefully we could maybe slip on a uniform on him and sneak him in there for a couple of plays that no one will notice. Hey, we won't tell. We won't tell if you end up doing that. We'll make sure we keep it on, on the DL. Uh, you mentioned your quarterback play and, and this spring and how that's been developing with the new offense. Specifically, how has Tyler Van Dyke responded to Shannon Dawson so far in, in the new scheme? It's a great match. It really is. Those two are it's, – it's exactly how you want to pair up a coordinator – and your quarterback, your starting quarterback, but also the other two young guys, because Jakari has been off the charts and show, and Emory has done a really good job as a freshman. And But right now it starts with Tyler. Tyler, you know, really got nicked up last year. You know, schematically, we just, you know, and it is what it is. Sometimes things don't fit. It's not a knock on anyone or any scheme or whatever. It's just sometimes it's about to fit. And this is certainly the right fit. So, from a, uh, an offensive standpoint, there's a lot of autonomy, which, you know, Tyler's a really smart guy. He understands protections. He understands coverage structures, uh, bluffs, disguise, all that kind of stuff. So we're able to do a lot with him early. And we're, I think, five, six days into practice. But we've installed just about 85, 90% of the offense. And we're going to install more in the coming days. So it's been awesome to watch. Um, just a lot of progress and just a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz and a lot of juice around the building. A lot of juice. A lot of juice. And Coach, you, I want to side, sidebar here really quick. You are someone who acquires your juice through a certain caffeinated source, I'm, I'm understanding, through uh, the, the specific kind of coffee down there in Miami. Is that right? There's some, some juice you're, you're taking each day? Oh, uh, well, I mean, you know, when you're born like Cuban down here in Miami, it's 
like it's a rite of passage, man. Like, you know, everyone's wondering in kindergarten why you're bouncing off the walls because since you're four years old, your mom like pours a shot of like super duper turbo Cuban coffee in your milk with your toast and butter and sends you out the door. So, yeah, it's kind of a thing down here. You know, I'd be, I'd be glad to send you a couple samples and see if you could fall asleep by next Wednesday. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be phenomenal. We'll do another interview after that, and we'll just – it'll be rapid-fire question, just boom, boom, boom. Uh, but, Coach, going back to what you were talking about with talent acquisition, obviously the state of Florida is a hotbed. There's other great programs there as well with great head coaches that are recruiting. What do you feel like y'all are doing specifically from a pitch standpoint to acquire the best talent that y'all have from the 2023 cycle being a top-10 class? I think just being real and being genuine and – I think it's a, you know, the best way to tell what's, um, or the best predictor of the future is what, you know, a staff or a coach has done in the past. I mean, look at the, the past stops of our coaches, you know, our program and our blueprint, you know, when, you know, I was at Alabama and 16 before going to Oregon. And again, that team was four and eight and I'll be at last year. We weren't there this past year, but the last few years we were there, we either won or played for the conference title and won a Rose Bowl title. And that was through, Culture, hard work, and talent acquisition. The edges look better. The trenches got better. Explosive players outside. Um, we had a great quarterback on the roster, obviously, Justin Herbert. But then we also won the conference with other quarterbacks as well. So um, a lot of hard work by a lot of people that just come together for with a common goal and are, are like-minded individuals that buy into the culture. And the culture, it starts and ends with hard work and eliminating any entitlement and any selfishness and we brought that over here and at first that's about as subtle as a shot right in the nose and that's okay you know we planned on that we were fully aware of what we had to do and how we had to do it and what comes in the first part of it so for us um like the the excitement around here the true just energy in what's going on is awesome and it's seen every single day on the field so proud of our players for the work they've been putting in and just excited to get the practice today and just keep getting better. And coach, in the spirit of talent acquisition, so much is made today in the major markets when it comes to NIL, like the, the Los Angeleses, the Miamis and schools like that. What's your personal approach when it comes to those kind of conversations? Well, we're not allowed to have anything except uh, with our players. You know, you can, you know, you could actually now uh, you're allowed to make a call and make a uh, you can actually arrange a meeting, but you can't negotiate. You can't talk about that. So, so I think it's the same approach that you have with coaches. You know, you say, you know, you have an opportunity to earn a certain amount, whatever it may be. So go get it, right? And, and at the end of the day, you're going to get what you've earned or what you've negotiated or what you've settled for. It is there for the taking. And I think it's it provides some great opportunities. I wish we tied more academics into it. You know, I wish there was some type of contingency there because – now you really tie education into the ability to earn a living, which I think is more real world like. Right. I think right now they're separate, so it doesn't quite make sense. But what I tell the guys is, look, we're here to help in any way we can. Obviously, we're a lot of fundraise for it now and collectives and all that stuff. And we are working our tails off on it. But once you get what you get, show up to work and get to work. OK, Absolutely. and that goes for the staff as well. You know what I mean, brother? It's like, hey, man, this is the workplace. You get what you earned or you settled for, you negotiated for. So once you get here, man, it is what it is. I can only do so much in terms of our staff, in terms of NIL. Coaches can't control it, but they certainly can support it. And we support at a really high level. 
and it's been a difference maker for our program. Absolutely. Hard hat lunch pail once you get it, though. Once you get to the building, it's time to work. I love that. Last question for you before we get you out of here. You're someone who obviously just, just gets what Miami is about. You understand not just Miami, but the you. What makes Miami so special in the landscape of college football? Well, I mean, what made Miami Miami is I always go back to telling people in high school why I chose Miami. And it wasn't because of the building or palm trees or and it really because it wasn't because of the nice weather. It was I was addicted to coming to practice and watching Michael Irvin and Benny Blades annihilate each other in practice and Jerome Brown and Greg Bracosi go at it nonstop. Alonzo Highsmith, Rod Carter. It was a culture that just it, it pushed and worked to a level that they knew when they hopped on a bus or a plane on Friday, they were not going to be beat. I mean, they just love competing. They love practicing. They loved work. That's what made Miami Miami. And if you look throughout the years, it was, yeah, there was a strong contingent of local players, but it was also a very nationally recruited team in all kinds of different spots. Now you fast forward into modern day. Now you have all kinds of things. Now we're building this unbelievable new facility. You have a private school education that is top tier in so many fields of study. You have an NIL program that is second to none. And you have the ability now to bring in all these coaches and rebuild it the right way and rebuild it to last. You know, Miami shouldn't slip. I've been gone for a long time, man, you know, and um, the opportunity to come back and rebuild it along with all these other people. The right way is something that, you know, it's it's always been a tremendous goal and requires every ounce of, of my existence. And I'm all about it, man. I'm blessed to have the opportunity and looking forward to step by step and piece by piece working ourselves into being a prominent and eventually one of the best programs in the country. Well, Coach, we appreciate you making time. We're fired up to watch y'all bring the U back to where it's supposed to be and hoping to get to see y'all in person this fall. But have a great rest of the spring, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Come on down, man. The coffee's waiting for you, brother. <laughs> Sounds good. Appreciate it, Coach. We appreciate Coach Cristobal joining us. Give us a little bit of his time as they are in the midst of spring football. A little bit of insider trading before we got rolling. We were talking about the assembling of the team and kind of how they're looking in the trenches. And that was something he talked about a lot during that conversation. But he told us, hey, I got to Oregon. We had Justin Herbert. That was crucial for us. We had the quarterback. But also, we had two brothers. Last name Sewell. Panay Sewell, Noah Sewell. Linebacker, offensive lineman. Now we kind of have the same setup with the Malagoas. Linebacker transferred from Washington State, then obviously Francis Malagoa already running with the ones down there in Coral Gables. But again, Coach Cristobal bringing the juice as he always does. I'm going to give you a little preview right now for what we got cooked up for Thursday's show. Now only y'all are going to hear this that are watching the live show. Is this going to be clip for anything else? If you're watching on, I guess, listening on podcast, you'll find out too. But we got Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel set to join the show on Thursday. Again, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. Make sure you're locked in. Don't want you to miss a minute of it. A lot going down on the hard count these days. So we appreciate y'all locking in with us. Nico Iamaliava is one of the big-time freshmen at Tennessee. I just talked about Francis Magoa, big-time freshman at Miami. There's a lot of big-time freshmen that are going to make an impact this fall. We got to have a conversation right now about some of those freshmen that you should know about. Okay, we gave you a list, I believe it was early March, so right around a month ago. Let's add to that list a little bit right now. A lot of these cats are already on campus, early enrollees, going to make a splash come fall. One of the guys we've got to talk about, four-star linebacker, already enrolled at Tennessee, Arian Carter. Now, Arian Carter had an interesting recruitment. He was a guy that sort of caught fire at the end of his recruitment, like 
typically a lot of these offers are out by, you know, your junior year and you kind of go through the camp circuit heading into your senior year. He got his three game highlight tape out on huddle and just blew up. Like originally he was committed to Memphis, I believe as a running back came down to it on decision day. And it was between like Bama and Tennessee ends up going with the Vols. There was really good buzz around him right now in Knoxville. He's someone that I want you to keep an eye on in terms of how he trends ridiculously athletic. He's got a ton of what you just can't coach, like really fluid movements um, that they're excited about the plays he's made already in practice. Go get the intel over there on VolQuest or Tennessee on three site. They talk a lot about what he's done in practice. One play he's made is he made interception in one of his first spring practices. So he's making plays. The way that it sounds right now is he's going to play his freshman year as a rotational guy. But I'm telling you, the way that he trends is going to be very interesting to watch. With all of his God-given gifts, it would not surprise me in the slightest if he ends up playing significant time towards the end of Tennessee's season. That's the side of the ball, too, for Tennessee that we talk about a lot. Hey, the offense we know is going to be good. We know they're going to have guys that can make plays in Josh Heupel's offense. But if they can get it right on the defensive side, if they can be a force on that side of the football in the SEC, they're going to be a very complete team. Going to be a team we got to talk about with real college football playoff considerations. So that's not to overblow the significance of an Arian Carter, but I'm just saying a very big-time gift for Josh Heupel in the 2023 cycle and a guy that will make an impact one way or another at linebacker for the Vols in the fall. Another guy we got to talk about, Cedric Baxter, running back at Texas. Now, that running back room, a little bit dinged up right now during the spring. Bijan Robinson, he's gone to the league. Roshan Johnson, gone to the league. Told you about Savian Red and the impact he's making already, but Cedric Baxter is an absolute man-child. Another early enrollee, he's a five-star kid, number one running back in the 2023 class. Okay, so the dude can tote the rock. thing that's encouraging to me, he is already adjusting well to the collegiate ranks. Like a lot of these kids, you get to college and you're supposed to still be a senior, you're supposed to be going to prom, and it takes a while to kind of figure out what college life is like. I got to go to class and I, and I also have to go to practice and I got to balance what being a big time college football player is like. And also I got to make sure I'm in my business class. Cedric Baxter, while the sample size is small, 4.0 GPA, practicing the right way. Carrying himself like a pro. Also, one thing we love about him, Charles Power, knocked his evaluation out of the park. It sounds like he has really fluid movements when it comes to running routes. Very natural pass catcher. What do we say? Earlier in this show, earlier in the live show, they're going to ask that of the running back at Texas. How many times do we see Bijan Robinson split out in the slot and go run a post route? I'm not saying they're going to ask that every single game, but I'm saying having that in the arsenal at Texas, it's crucial to the offense, okay? Having depth of the running back position as well is just something you need in college football. Cedric Baxter, a guy that I fully expect to contribute, very physically developed, Around six foot one, 210 pounds, like I said. Absolute man child. He's going to play on the 40 acres this year. Ain't no red shirt in him, all right? Once it really clicks with him with the playbook and being able to read zone schemes at the collegiate level and adjusting to the speed of the game, it's gonna be a problem. Okay? Gonna be a problem on the 40 acres. I guarantee it. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following on Twitter and Instagram at Judy Pakel. Appreciate y'all. Now Peyton Bowen. I told you about Adepoju Adeboare last time at Oklahoma. Peyton Bowen, another freshman, five-star kid. He's a safety at Oklahoma. 
he's just going to be someone who brings too much to the table to leave off the field. Like he's one of those guys that Charles Power, director of scouting and rankings here, said he might have been one of the best kick returners in the class. He played against really good competition in Texas at Denton Geyer. He's a guy that will make your football team better. It doesn't matter how he does it, right? Like whether he's returning kicks, whether he's playing safety, the opportunity cost of not playing Peyton Bowen is a net negative, right? Like he's a guy that just has to be playing. Already enrolled, like I said, so he's able to kind of learn the defense. Now, he's a guy that I fully believe once he learns that defense, once he's comfortable schematically, that's when the instincts take over, man. That's when the autopilot kicks in and Peyton Bowen, with the special qualities he has instinctually, then they get to cut loose. Then they get to show you why he was a five-star. Okay, so remember, the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma a season ago was not good enough. Was not good enough. Was not up to par, not up to the standards that Brent Venables has in Norman. So what does that mean? It means you got to mesh schematically, but it also means you need to take a look at your personnel. You need to get better personnel. Peyton Bowen, a part of that better personnel they're adding to that locker room at Oklahoma. So he's a guy that I fully expect, whether it's early in the year, whether it's late in the year, he will be a name that you need to know. 100% believe that. Andy Jean, six foot one, 195 pound, four-star wide receiver out of Florida. Pay attention to frequency on the message boards and the, the different websites that you follow when it comes to spring practice over at Gators Online, the frequency that Andy Gene gets mentioned is notable. Because all these guys that are early enrollees, all these guys that have a lot of stars next to their name, they're good enough to straight up just go out and have one good practice or make one good play that gets caught on tape and it gets tweeted out and it becomes a thing, right? Like they're all good enough to have a moment. But when your name gets brought up practice after practice, Hey, Andy Gene made another play today. Hey, Andy Gene looked good in 11 on 11. Hey, Andy Gene did this during practice. That's a trend, okay? You start stacking days. And when you stack days, you typically put yourself in contention for some very real playing time. Nick De La Torre over there at Gators Online, he thinks Andy Gene's a young Van Jefferson, okay? So that's very, very high praise for him. And think about what this means at Florida if Andy Gene is a player for you, if he is able to be a weapon on the outside. How often have we talked about what they have in that running back room with Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson? If they have something to offset that in the pass game and keep defenses off balance, that would be enormous. That would allow them to fight different styles offensively. Okay, and I'm looking at this wide receiver room for Florida too. There's no real locked-in wide receiver depth chart outside of Ricky Pearsall. People in that building at Florida said they would not be surprised in the slightest if Andy Jean ends up winning a starting job. So again, frequency, how often you're hearing about Andy Gene, it means something. Having a really good spring camp right now for Florida, expect that to carry over into the fall. How much? We'll keep an eye on, but Andy Gene, a guy that is stacking good days in Gainesville. Another wide receiver we've got to talk about, Carnell Tate at Ohio State. 33-inch arms, really great catch radius, top 10 wide receiver in the 2023 cycle. A lot of good wide receivers at Ohio State, right? Carnell Tate is shining right now. And after the first scrimmage in Columbus, already lost his black stripe on his helmet. Now, those of you that aren't familiar with what a black stripe is, allow me to illuminate you. The black stripe is on the Ohio State Buckeye helmet, covering up the, the scarlet stripe. And once you get that stripe ripped off, the black stripe that is, that's when you officially become a member of the team. 
more or less, right? Like that's when you're kind of accepted into the brotherhood that is Ohio State football. And how you get your black stripe ripped off, there's a lot of different verbiage around it, commitment to the team, work ethic, like doing things the right way. I would also say unofficially, you got a ball. Like you, you got to make some plays and you got to be a guy between the white lines. Carnell Tate lost his black stripe on March 26th. Now, Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't lose his black stripe until early April when he was a freshman. Am I saying Carnell Tate's Marvin Harrison Jr. now? Okay, Marvin Harrison Jr. is a one of one. But to have such positive reviews about Carnell Tate this early on, another early enrollee, that's a good sign for the Buckeyes. And to have yet another weapon that can, again, at worst, add depth, at best, contribute for you on the field, that's a scary sight. It's a scary sight for the rest of the Big Ten, and whoever ends up playing quarterback for Ohio State will be better because of what Carnell Tate brings to the table. I don't expect Carnell Tate to be a guy that gets 100 catches or you know, lights up the stat sheet because of all the other ballers that are in that room, but situationally, you want to double Marvin Harrison Jr.? You want to put a safety over a Mecca Egbuka? Carnell Tate gets open, man. I'm just saying. Another guy you have to worry about whenever you try to match up with Ohio State defensively. So Arian Carter, linebacker Tennessee, Cedric Baxter, a running back in the mix at Texas, Peyton Bowen, special player at safety, could also return kicks. He's going to help Oklahoma this season. I promise you. Andy Jean, receiver at Florida, continuing to stack good days. Carnell Tate already lost his black stripe. These young ballers will be names that everybody knows in the fall. We're talking about it right now. You and I. So we appreciate y'all for locking in with us in that regard. And if you're watching this show, man, you're a junkie. So we just, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. I'll leave it at that. Let's, let's move on here and talk about a, a team that I don't know enough people are talking about right now. That's the Penn State Nittany Lions. Currently, they are right around, depending on what book you look at, plus 2,000 odds to win the national title. I'm telling you, I think Penn State's a dark horse. I think Penn State is a sleeping giant in the college football landscape. And it all hinges for me on a one Drew Aller. Five-star kid, more likely than not, going to be the starting quarterback in, uh, in state college. And what do you feel like held you back the last couple of years if you're a Penn State fan? Let's even zoom in a little bit more. What held you back last year? What kept you from accomplishing what you wanted to accomplish in winning the Big Ten and making the college football playoff? I think a lot of people would tell you it was Sean Clifford. And that's not to dunk on Sean Clifford. I think Sean Clifford will go down as a legend at State College, and he should. Gave so much to that program, did so much as a leader, Rose Bowl champion. Like there, There's not a lot that you can say that's super negative about Sean Clifford. But you look at the two losses they had in 2022. You look at his stat line against Ohio State. Threw three touchdowns. Definitely kept a minute, but also threw three interceptions that proved to be costly against Michigan. Was seven for 19, 120 yards, no, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Okay, so not, not great. What I'm curious to see is what does Drew Aller bring to the table? How much better are you if you just get consistent to maybe great quarterback play a season ago? Do you end up splitting that? Do you end up maybe beating Ohio State? Because remember, they had Ohio State on the ropes now. Before JT Tui Malowal just absolutely went gangbusters and went crazy in that game and had like a historic stat line, they had them on the ropes. Penn State did. 
I'm just curious, how much better are you if Drew Aller is a version of what we believe he could be? I think it's worth talking about because the talent is there. I've said this before. Sean Clifford, again, I can't say enough good things about him. But strictly off of what God gave these dudes, Drew Aller has more juice than a Sean Clifford. Now, does he put that into practice? Is he able to adjust to the speed of the game? Is he able to adjust to being the guy at a school like Penn State? Like, we'll see. But I'm just saying, what you have under the hood at quarterback now, I think it's a different model. The vehicle itself at Penn State, in terms of what you have around Drew Aller, is good enough to get it done, man. I'll just leave it at that. It's good enough to get it done. Actually, I won't leave it at that. Let's talk about that. Make sure you're subscribed to this channel. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram. We appreciate y'all for that. Okay. Offensively, you got two workhorses. Like Nick Singleton, this coming season could very easily prove to be the best running back in the country. Had over 1,000 yards last year, double-digit touchdowns. And who's next to him in the backfield? Catron uh, Allen. Combined, they had over 2,000 yards together, 20-plus touchdowns. Like, they're going to be able to run the football. You bring back six different dudes that have experience on the offensive line, one of which being Cornell grad Hunter Norzad. Shout out Hunter. He's going to be a guy for in the offensive line. They're going to have enough in the trenches to run the football. Now, defensively, they bring back seven cats, guys with experience, guys that have played in this league. There's not going to be a whole lot of deer in the headlights for this team this coming year. And remember, this wasn't a team that underachieved. They went 10-2 and two and won the Rose Bowl, okay? So they got some juice. This is a team that has been in battle before, outside of the quarterback position. I'll say it again. If Drew Aller is any kind of version of what we expect he could be, again, a five-star guy, one of the top quarterbacks in the country, how good is Penn State this year? They've got a lot built out around him. Outside of the quarterback position, there will not be any deer in the headlights. There will not be any new sort of adjustment period for this roster. A lot of guys that have played a lot of meaningful snaps and done a lot of good things on this team. Abdul Carter, I'll say it right now, he's a linebacker, wears number 11 at Penn State. Y'all that know ball, you don't give out 11 as a linebacker at Penn State unless you can play. He will be first team all Big Ten this coming season, barring something wildly unforeseen. Period, mic drop, the end. End of story. Abdul Carter will absolutely take the Big Ten by the throat this year and have an incredible 2023. And that's not even a bold prediction. Like, that's just a fact. He was second-team All-Big Ten a season ago as a true freshman. Charles Power knocked his eval out of the park. We were much higher on him than anybody else in the industry. He is a dude, and he is going to make big-time plays this coming year. Yet again, as you saw, he, he did in 2022. Now, here is the sort of million-dollar question around Penn State. Won 10 games, lost two last year. The two losses are to the big boys in the Penn State, or the, the two of the big boys in the Big Ten for Penn State. This year, they go at Ohio State, October 21st, and they play Michigan at home November 11th. Here's what I would say. If you split those two, you don't got to win both. If you split those two, you will have a chance at the college football playoff. You win both, you're in the dance, right? Like, I don't think that's a discussion. That's just common sense. I think the Big Ten is good enough to where losing one of those games would not sink your chances, but you have to at least, at the very least, split them. Okay? And make no mistake. 
Penn State is built from a personnel standpoint, from a coaching staff standpoint, with Manny Diaz calling the defense, James Franklin running the entire operation, what they have coming back, they are good enough from a personnel standpoint to do that. So it's not a matter anymore of does Penn State have enough on the roster to get it done? Yes, I'm telling you they do. They very much do. And Penn State fans, you know what I'm talking about. Everything they need to succeed is under the hood. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. But Penn State, I fully believe, is absolutely a college football playoff dark horse in 2023. That might be a segment we have to do on Thursday's show, honestly, talk about some dark horses across the country. There's a lot of them now. A lot of teams that I think are primed to make a run at it. It's not going to be a typical year where we can kind of just pencil in the two or three teams of the college football playoff and we'll kind of know and we'll play out the rest of the year. First of all, it's never been that way. Second of all, this year will be no exception. All right. Now, we posed a question on my Twitter page, and I said, what are some of your concerns around spring football? Because with the new year comes new concerns. It's just kind of the way it is, all right? Got some really good responses from y'all. To read them off now, the keeper of the queue, heavy lifter extraordinaire, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, big dog? What's up, JD? How we doing, man? What's going on? Um, besides getting a little cut off by my graphic I made, uh, I'm doing great. Okay. Uh, so you asked, it's on the screen right now, uh, what's your biggest concern for your college football team heading into spring ball? The first one I've got for us is from, it's from Dustin Hoffman. I don't believe it's Dustin Hoffman from Rain Man, uh, but it is a Dustin Hoffman saying the line of scrimmage for Nebraska, J.D. But we haven't confirmed it's not Dustin Hoffman from it Rain Man. It could be. It could be Rain Man himself. So verdict's still out. We don't know. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, honestly, a very fair concern. And if it makes you feel any better, Dustin... Nebraska internally feels the exact same way. How do I know that? Because they brought in Matt Rule. And Matt Rule is a guy that specializes in the line of scrimmage. Trev Albert said as much when they started this whole coaching search. We need someone that's going to make Nebraska a tougher team in the trenches. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. And so for Nebraska, in a conference like the Big Ten, where you play the Michigans, you play the Penn States, teams that are going to run the football, you need to be able to bring that to the table. Now, the good news is they've done some work via the portal. And I think they'll be better from a personnel standpoint. I also think Matt Rule, just from a culture and an edge standpoint, is going to bring more to the table there. So it may not be a quick fix in year one, but I'll just say this. You're taking the proper strides to fix your concerns in the trenches at Nebraska. So a very fair concern to have, Dustin, but keep an eye on that. You may not see a finished product this year, but I think you're going to see something closer to what you would like to see. I think it'll be improved from a season ago. Mm-hmm. How's that? It's well done, How's JD. That? Well done. Good uh, question, next question Justin. about Auburn. This Love is from at Colton Zoltan that TJ Finley will be the starter by the time fall comes around. That's his concern. Okay. Okay. You don't mess with the Zoltan. Is that right? That's the, <laughs> the movie that you like, Nick. Um, this is a fair concern by nature of the way that spring has progressed so far because the narrative going into spring football was – T.J. Finley will kind of hang around. Now, he graduates at the end of the year, at the end of the school year, that is, and will have every opportunity to then seek greener pastures if he's not the guy. Now, the concern, I think the concern is fair, nobody within the quarterback room has really taken this job by the throat just yet. Holden Garner sounds like has had some progress. Robbie Ashford, I mean, we saw what he did a season ago. Really good athlete, but still leaves some concern on the table for him at the quarterback position and Hugh Free said as much we're not as far along as we'd like as we would like to be as we need to be probably in in the quarterback room 
And some of that's learning a new system. I think some of that too is just personnel that you have in-house. I would say this, Sultan, the encouraging thing for me, if this is my concern, is Auburn already took a pretty hard look at the portal, right? Like there, there was a sentiment out there that they were going to land a Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina. Obviously, that didn't work out. But the notion that I would say is they are still unhappy personnel standpoint, from my vantage point, of what they have in that room. So TJ Finley, if he ends up being the guy, it won't be because Auburn didn't at least try to bring somebody else in. And I would say this, if he wins the job, Hugh Freeze, quarterback whisperer, Philip Montgomery, quarterback whisperer, I think they'll be able to get maybe a little bit more out of TJ Finley. And I also think it means that TJ Finley won the job outright. So if TJ Finley's playing in games, it means that whatever's going on behind him on that depth chart was not good in spring football. So fair concern. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I think that's going to happen, but I think it's, it's a fair concern to have right now. Keep a very close eye on what they do in the second portal window. That should be very telling for Auburn. But yep. Colton Zoltan, man, appreciate you. Don't <laughs> yeah, mess with I, Zoltan. Is it the Zoltan in big or is it Zoltar? I, I think, think it's Zoltar. Zoltar. Okay. Yes, what are you referring to? Uh, don't mess with the Zohan. Is that Adam Sandler? That is Adam is that, Sandler. Yeah, I and mean, you call my dog Zochi Zohan quite often. Yeah, too, that is so. true. Yeah, subpar movie, but <laughs> it's a very subpar, subpar movie. movie. That's why subpar it made me joke. think, like, what do you even? You know, subpar movie, subpar joke. Yeah, above absolutely. part show, above part producer. Thank you, I appreciate yeah, that. that. You ended that one well. Uh, your last question: What's your biggest concern? Uh, the answer is from Andre at Muse one 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 six Jimbo Petrino and the A and M offense. Yeah, Muse from the six here. So this is a fair concern to have because you got Jimbo Fisher. Let's just be real. He was, he was pretty prickly about answering questions about handing the offense over to Bobby Petrino. Jimbo's prickly as a whole when it comes to handling the media, but th there was something specific about this that makes you feel a little bit uneasy. The concern you would have is that you have two sets of hands on the wheel trying to turn different directions. And when you're trying to turn different directions with two hands on the wheel, usually you just don't end up going anywhere. You kind of just swerve around the road and things go bad. Maybe you hit something like not a good recipe. So I think this is a fair concern to have. The thing I would say that's encouraging is there may not be a ton of, there may not be a ton of free will here for coach Fisher, right? I think they bought that they brought Bobby Petrino in for a reason. It's because the offense was struggling mightily a season ago and it was underperforming in relation to the personnel they have. I don't believe the personnel is reflective of what they did on the field last year. I think a lot of it has to do with the schematics. So with that being said, I would hold out hope. I think Bobby Petrino, if he gets the sticks to the offense, could do some good things, but that concern is fair. If you want to keep tugging on the wheel, I'm trying to go left, you're trying to go right, guess what? We're going to kind of swerve around the road, hit something. It's a bad deal for everybody, but... Appreciate it, Andre. Again, Muse from the six, bringing the heat as always. Mm -hmm. Good stuff, Nick. Yeah. Uh, stuff. Well, JD, uh, before we go, uh, Shane Keenan uh, says their biggest concern for spring ball continues to be FSU's offensive line. Okay. I uh, said it'll be better membrane. than it has been. But JD, uh, before we go, you, you know, you, you like talking about the Seminoles. What do you think about their? Line? Yeah, we like showing the Knowles some love on here. Um, concern about the offensive line. I think that's fair. I would say the encouraging thing for me is Alex Atkins is still the OC there. And so the reason why that's important is because he also coaches the offensive line. And when your offensive coordinator is also your offensive line coach, it's a little bit unorthodox. Not a lot of programs across the country do it. 
but he will have a very good gauge for what he can and can't call with the offensive line, meaning he understands what they can accomplish from a run blocking standpoint. Hey, we feel good about running power. We're going to call a lot of power. We feel good about running inside zone. We're going to call out inside zone. Hey, we don't feel good about this certain pass protection because you know, our guard or attack or whatever, we don't feel good about him being able to handle that block. He hasn't done it well. We don't feel good about it. That's very different than the quarterback coach saying, hey, offensive line, do your job. Quarterback, you can make this throw. Let's roll with it. So two different schools of thought there, but I would say it won't be a blind confidence to what they're calling offensively. They will call what their offensive line can accomplish. Does that make sense, Nick? So that, I think, I think mm-hmm. that should be encouraging for our good friend Shane as it pertains to yeah. the Florida State offensive line. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, J.D. Thanks, Shane, and everyone for commenting and for voting on our poll. By the way, J.D., Miami uh, in 2023, uh, the consensus says they will have a winning record, um, no ACC championship appearance, no, no losing record, obviously, and no college football playoff appearance. So okay. That's what we got. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Nick, appreciate you putting that poll out for the people, man. Nick, yeah. we'll see you Thursday. I'll see you Thursday. We'll see Hypel Thursday, too. And we'll see Josh Hypel on yep. Thursday. Y'all, if you missed it, again, we're not going to clip this. This isn't going to be out there on social media until a little bit closer to that live show. We'll promote it. Don't get me twisted. But th- th- this is just between us right now. So if you're listening on the podcast, shout out to y'all. If you're watching on YouTube, shout out to y'all. This is our little secret. Josh Hypel, head coach of Tennessee, about to join the show this coming Thursday. So get fired up for that. Y'all, like the video on your way out. Just helps us do more of what you want to see. So we appreciate that for y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in live. We will be live again, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central with the head man at Tennessee, Coach Josh Heupel. Appreciate y'all rocking with us. We're going to keep the party rolling. Also, quick shout out, Trey Yannity. Heavy lifting, a part of the show as well. Shout out, Trey Yannity. Shout out, Nick Brake. Shout out, y'all, man. Keep the party rolling. We will see y'all next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 